Hey everyone, welcome back to the City Group Leader Podcast, the podcast designed to help your city group thrive and multiply by strengthening your leadership one episode at a time. My name is Trevor Nashalinas. I am a City Group's Director at City Light Church in Omaha, Nebraska, and I'd like to thank you for joining me for yet another episode. Today is a bonus episode where I sit down with my fellow City Group's Director, Sarah Butenbach, who recently became the City Group's Director at our Midtown location. Sarah has been serving at City Light Church since 2013 as a serving team's director, primarily focused on the gathered church. She has recently transitioned to the city group's director at our Midtown location, where she is now going to be focused on the scattered church. So we sat down to talk about her time here at City Light, her transition into the city group's director role, and the role that city groups play in City Light's vision moving forward. It's a fun conversation. I think you're going to enjoy and benefit from it. It is a little bit longer than the average episode, but I decided to leave the whole conversation because I think that it's going to serve you well. All right, Sarah, welcome to the City Group Leader Podcast. Thanks for having me. You bet. You're about four months into your role as the City Group's Director at Midtown, and I thought this would be a great opportunity for our City Group leaders to get to know you, hear your story, and for us to talk a little bit about the future of City Groups here at City Light Church. So to get us started, tell us a little bit about your journey into the City Light story. Yeah. So I had actually been on staff with Gavin at a previous church and doing kids' ministry, and um, had stepped out of that role for my husband and I to start an organization in Ralston called Score for Sports. It was a youth sports organization, and we just felt called to use our gifts in our community. And when we found out that Gavin was planting a new church, um, my family was really excited about it. I reached out to him and said, hey, have you ever thought about planting a church in Ralston? We're really plugged into this community and really want um, to incorporate our our." outreach work that we were doing with our faith community. And he told us the vision of City Light is that we were going to gather and scatter and uh, live on mission in every neighborhood and network in our city. And so he said, you know, we're we're probably not going to gather in Ralston, but um, we'd love for you to have a city group there. And so we jumped in to the core team um, and started just serving in kids ministry because our kids were young and... um, yeah, got got involved, and um, I had said I had offered, you know, hey, I worked in kids ministry at a smaller, uh, you know, multi-site campus. If you ever want to just talk about what that might look like here, I'd love to share just my experience. And so, yeah, so they had me in for what I did not know was an interview for a kids ministry position. And we just talked and I just shared freely, like, hey, this is how I do it. And at the end of that, they offered me a job um, part-time. And at the time I had another job that I was working, plus we were running our nonprofit organization. I just knew I couldn't add one more layer of um, commitment. And so I said no, but I came home and was like, man, I'd love to get back into ministry. I just felt that call. And so I reached out and said, hey, if there was something that would replace my other job that I was doing, um, I'd be really interested in joining the team. And so several months later, they actually uh, got approval to hire a -a 30-hour-a-week admin assistant and offered me the job. And um, so I started in August of 2013. So 
almost 10 years ago. Um, and so I just jumped in and I actually became kind of the junk drawer of City Light. So anything that you didn't want to ask, bother a pastor about, it was like, ask Sarah. Um, so I did a lot of different things and it was small. So you really had to be very flexible and be able and willing to just do whatever came up. And about six months in, we had moved down here to the Omar building and, um, our church doubled in size in the first six months of when I was on staff and I was trying to work part-time, be a good mom, run our organization. And I was super overwhelmed and we had a, a staff retreat and they basically said, Hey, just write down all the things that you're doing. And it was like so many things. Um, and I really thought they're going to, they're going to see that I'm like so incapable and be like, ah, oh, you're just not the right fit. You just don't have it. But instead they were like, uh, this is too much for one person. We really need to hire someone else. And it was so amazing because they said, Hey, let's actually take the things that you're gifted at doing and put them on your job description and take the things that are not life-giving to you and hire somebody that would be a good fit for those things. And so who gets to do that? I mean, it was, it's been amazing. Like they just really want to see people operate in their, in their giftedness. So, um, I ended up uh, keeping serving teams and community development. And I've basically been doing that job for nine years. That all sounds so exciting. And I think the fact that you've been trusted to do so many things speaks to your capacity as a leader. You look at that kind of sometimes and be like, what in the world am I doing? I have so much on my plate, but you end up with things on your plate because you have a big plate. And the two things that I think that I'm really struck by in hearing your story are passion and availability. You're passionate about the local church being planted and then scattering into the neighborhoods and networks of our city. And you just made yourself available to say, how can I help? And because of that, you found yourself in a lot of different roles, serving a lot of different people and doing so very, very well. What I would love for our hearers to hear is, how has all of that prepared you for your role here as the City Group's Director at Midtown? Yeah, I think it's all been preparation. I think one thing about having a very full plate and literally not being able to do everything that I've been tasked to do has made me really quick to raise up other leaders and empower them to take ownership of things. And I really think that's what we're doing as city group directors is we are empowering leaders to disciple, make disciples in their homes, um, in their communities, in their workplaces. And so I think just knowing that you can, you and I cannot make all the disciples at City Light Church. We desperately need other people to raise up disciples and help, you know, shepherd the flock. And so I just think I really have learned that when you have too much, you have to rely on the Lord. I used to have a thing, like a piece of paper at my desk, because I would answer the phone. I was sitting, I was the receptionist, right? So I'd answer the phone and people would call. And I, I, it was easy for me to get really overwhelmed by all of the needs around me. And so 
I wrote this thing on the wall. It's not a Bible verse, but I would say it to myself. I rely on God. It doesn't depend on me. Every new obstacle or crisis or problem or whatever is an opportunity to see God at work. And it just reminded me to when I felt like people are asking me for more than I can give, more than I can do, it just reminded me to go, no, I rely on God. And this isn't a problem. This is an opportunity to see how God is going to come through and and provide this. And um, that's been really freeing. So I think um, when you just see all of the life, the heavy things that people are carrying, and just knowing that it's going to take the whole body to carry each other's burdens, um, I, I just really have that perspective from being on the inside of ministry for this many years. Mm-hmm. I love that quote that you shared because I think it's a good reminder that in order for ministry to work, it has to be God at work, right? Yes. If it depends on us, it is not going to make it very far and it is not going to go very well. But I think you model there a really good example for our city group leaders as well, this posture of dependence and empowerment because uh, I know a lot of city group leaders at times feel like things are going really well and they're really excited about what God is doing in their group. And at other times they look at all the people or all the challenges and they get very overwhelmed. But just this idea that we need to remain dependent and we need to continue to empower one another, I think, is not only going to serve you well in your role, but it's a great reminder to me in my role as well, but also a great example for our city group leaders who are out there in the trenches every week, gathering in their homes, sharing meals, studying God's word and making disciples. So I think it's an awesome uh, model of what good, healthy ministry looks like. Um, So uh, I would love to hear a little bit about what is it that excites you about your new role? You've been serving kind of in the serving team's role for a really long time with all these other roles added on top of that. And now you're shifting to more of a city group specific ministry from the gathered church to the scattered church. What excites you about that? Yeah, I think I have been very gathered church focused. Um, Just all of the logistics to bring hundreds of people together on a Sunday morning um, it's, it just takes a lot of effort and somebody to kind of spearhead that. And it's really important. The gathered church is really very important, but it's only one small piece of discipleship. And I, I, I look back at where have I grown in my discipleship to Jesus most significantly and yes, sometimes it's the preached word of God and that just that conviction and whatever. But so much more often, it is the relationships, the community, the actually just processing my own life, um, opening the word of God together and, and kind of using it like a mirror, like, okay, this is what the word of God says. You know what? My life, my heart is not aligned in these certain ways. I am living out of the flesh here. This is not looking like Jesus here. And just having people who will remind me who God is, as revealed in scripture, remind me of the gospel, remind me of my identity in Christ, um, and really pray with me. And that's, 
those are the things where I think real transformation takes place. And so it's been so fun to visit city groups and see this happening. Um, so I just, I've been trying to get to city group about once a week and just visit and, you know, just observe the ministry that is happening. And I think this is gold. This, this is the real stuff where lives are, are being transformed. And that's been really fun and encouraging and exciting. And I think especially after COVID there, I think one of the things that we realized is that we desperately need people in our lives. I just feel like there's this isolation. I think there's a lot of just mental health struggles, even my own family, just the level of anxiety that, you know, my husband, myself, my sons have experienced. Um, We need the community of believers to come alongside us and help us navigate where those things are coming from and ask the Lord for healing and you know, we just, we need the Lord and we need each other to walk through those things. And so I'm really excited that, that I get to be a witness to the work that God is doing in ordinary people's living rooms. Mm-hmm. I couldn't agree with you more on your assessment of city groups. Just this idea that city groups are the place where transformation happens, right? That's where if, whether you're doing a sermon-based discussion or studying something else, where content actually gets into your life and kind of provokes and inspires and transforms you in ways that you can't just by absorbing a message on a Sunday morning, right? There's a, a book that I read a while back called The Relational Soul. And in it, they make the argument that because we're image bearers of God, we are made for and shaped by relationships. Mm -hmm. And therefore, we cannot thrive outside of community with other human beings, nor can we become the person that God wants us to be outside of relationship with other human beings. So the fact that we have the opportunity to actually play a role in facilitating that in small groups where uh, our leaders are leading that kind of transformation is just such a humbling and honoring opportunity to know that God is doing the real work in people's homes, through people's everyday lives, and mm-hmm. we just kind of get it pop in and be a part of it every once in a while. It's really, really fun. And don't you feel like our leaders are superstars? Yeah. I mean, they are real Christians. They are real Christians doing the thing mm-hmm. with Jesus. It's so fun. And and, and like you say, humbling, because they are not paid professionals. They are just humbly saying, Lord, use me, and God is using them. And so I, I just have so much respect for our leaders, and it's, it's just so humbling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. There's so many times I go to a city group, and I think, I wonder if I was helpful to them in any way. But there's so many more times I go to a city group and I'm like, wow, I learned a thing or two about leading a city group from those people tonight. So uh, it's a fun opportunity just to not only make some deposits, but also just to get to see the creative ways that God is moving the mission forward through ordinary people in their everyday lives is a huge blessing. Well, I, I love that we've kind of like talked about our experience a little bit, heard a little bit about your story and your journey, but I'd like to zoom out for our listeners a little bit and now think about City Light on a whole. Could you, you've been here way longer than I have, so could you just share with us a little bit about 
the critical role that city groups have played in City Light's vision to multiply disciples in churches over the years? Yeah, for sure. I think one thing that I have witnessed even in recent years as I've gotten more involved in um, teaching our baptism class you see how many of the how many people are taking the step to be baptized um, because they are being discipled in city groups and uh, I would say the vast majority it's rare that somebody just sitting out there is like I want to get baptized it's usually because they have been discipled in a community and so people are taking that step of faith to say, yeah, I'm, I'm declaring my faith publicly. Um, so I have seen that over and over. And then, um, and, and even our, our city group, one of my favorite, um, one of my favorite times was uh, we had had our summer baptism, but a few, actually two people in our group um, kind of, missed out on it or decided, you know, they didn't want to be baptized in front of 5,000 people. And so, um, we had a city group baptism in one of our elders pools. And, um, and then one of the gals said, Hey, my sister wants to get baptized too. And she had not been part of our church. And so I sent her all the baptism. I was like, she a Christian? <laughs> Yes, she's very much a Christian. Sent her the baptism stuff. And um, so we got to have this like shared baptism experience. And a month or so, a little over a month after that, the gal who was not part of our church, her husband died of a massive heart attack. And um, we were able to host their funeral, the, his funeral. Um, and now she is part of our church and um, has just felt like loved and welcomed by our church. And I just feel like, I don't know if that would have happened outside of that little space that we created. Um, and I don't know, that was just really special to me. And, um, and then we've also, I mean, our first church plant was basically three city groups in Bent that met in the Benson area, young adult city groups, and that was our our first church plant. We sent those city groups out to make disciples in Benson. Um, so you know we've seen it on the church planning side, and also I mean most of our church plants. Step one is start a city group, multiply the city group. Okay, now you have a core team, and so that's been really amazing to see that that's how the gather church is coming out of the scattered church. Hmm. Yeah, that's what I love about that is for so many churches, they're trying to think about how do I take the gathered church and turn it into the scattered church? And for a lot of the churches that have been implanted out of city light, it's been more so, no, we've got the scattered church. Now we just need to turn that into the gathered church. Mm -hmm. It's kind of the inverse of the way we see small group ministry done in so many places. And in my opinion, incredibly inspiring. It's so motivating to think about the fact that somewhere out there in our city this week is sitting a group of people that could become the nucleus of a core team for a future church plant in our city, and they might not even know it yet. Right. Um, but that's just really beautiful and compelling. So 
Talk about a little bit about the future of City Groups. We've looked back on the role that it's played, both small in terms of people becoming Christians through City Groups and big in terms of City Groups becoming core teams for church plants. But what about the future of City Groups? What would you like to be true of our City Groups moving forward? Or what what vision do you have for our City Groups in the next 10 years? Yeah. Well, having been on the core team where... I would say pretty near 100% of the people in our church were part of a city group. And then we have seen our gathered church outpace the growth of the scattered church um, just because it's easier to add more chairs to your gathering than it is to raise up disciple-making leaders um, that are scattered throughout our city. And so I really see an opportunity for us to start new groups, for groups to multiply, Um, There are many, many people, we have a lot of new people post-COVID that are not in community, and I would like to, I think first and foremost, I'd love to just see more leaders be raised up and start new groups and just kind of recast that vision for like, yeah, this is really important, and um, try to get as many people um, into groups as is possible. So that's one thing that I'd really love to see. I think the second thing is that I would like to see our groups become more missional in the sense of, no, we're actually trying to transform. I think we probably have some groups that are um, fairly stagnant, and I would love to see groups really saying like, no, how can we invite others in? Um, I I would love for city groups to become more of an entry into church rather than the, the, the gathering, the Sunday morning gathering. I'd love to see people become disciples of Jesus because they're experiencing actual Christian community. I think of that verse that says, you know, they'll know your Christians by your love for each other. And I, I would just love to see that be fully experienced where people are in community and they just feel so loved and, and and even caring for real needs. I mean, I just think about the early church and having everything in common and, um, you know, I'd love to not have a benevolence ministry because city groups are taking care of each other financially and walking with each other um, and even, um, you know, care and counseling and that kind of stuff. Like what we actually find is those ministries exist for many people because they're not in community. Um, and they're important. it's important uh, to, to have them but um, a lot of the people who utilize them are not in community or in healthy community so I'd love to see us have healthy communities where we can be authentic we can actually transform and out of that invite others in so they can be transformed by Jesus too yeah that reminds me of a distinction that I heard several years ago about the difference between front door growth and side door growth. Front door growth is those who are walk through the front door of your church and then end up in a city group because they came to a Sunday gathering. Side door growth being 
the people who were not Christians who ended up in your city group and found their way into the Sunday gathering because what they experienced in your community was so compelling that they had to know, where can I get more of this? And what you're describing there sounds a lot like this idea of shifting our focus away from moving people from the Sunday gathering into the city group, from moving the city group out into the city where they can then bring people who don't know Jesus into their group and into the church from there. It also really reminds me of this idea that um, our groups aren't intended to be small groups. They're intended to be missional communities, right? right? And the difference between a small group and a missional community is that a small group is largely inward focus and a missional community is largely outward focus in the sense of a lot of times a small group and a missional community do a lot of the same things just with a different purpose and a different focus, right? Um, the missional community more outward facing, moving towards non-believers, creating space for people who don't know Jesus. And uh, it reminds me of a, a quote I heard one time. I don't remember who it was from, but they said, the best apologetic is authentic Christian community. When non-believers experience the Christian community at its best, Christianity is going to be pretty hard to ignore and pretty hard to resist. And what I hear you describing is our church getting to the place where that is true of every one of our communities. And I think that our every one of our city groups has that potential and that capacity if we just focus our attention in that direction a little bit. Yeah. Right. Let's say there's some leaders who are out there who have been listening to our conversation and think, yes, we want to see more leaders raised up. Yes, we want to move towards multiplication. Yes, we've kind of been a small group for a long time. We want to become a missional community. What opportunities do we have available for those leaders? Or what would you say to those leaders to help them move in that direction? Yeah, I think um, inviting potential new leaders to our trainings would be really helpful. So starting to identify and call out leadership gifts of people in your church, giving them opportunities to lead certain things, um, sharing, starting to share leadership, actually, and saying, okay, my job is to also equip the saints for the work of ministry. And so inviting people to take parts of the, the work that needs to be done for the group and, and calling them out, out as leaders. And then really challenging each other to say, okay, who are the people in your life um, that that we could invite and, and how do we um, create space to invite others in them. And I would say too, to some of our leaders as well, uh, you know, we've got opportunities to train you in so many different ways. We can visit your group, we can resource you. We've got groups for emerging leaders who may not be ready to launch a group on their own, but with a little bit of training can get there. We've uh, got, we've, we just started the City Group Leader Roundtable for any existing leaders who want more training. We've got our trainings twice a year. We've got this podcast. We've got coaching opportunities where we can take leaders out for coffee or lunch and personally walk them through what they've got going on in their city group and help them determine best next steps. So I would just want to communicate to our leaders as well, man, we're here for you. Uh, The reason we're on staff at this church is to support, equip, empower, and encourage you guys. So if we can be of help to you, please reach out. That is what we're here for and what we absolutely love to do. Now, as we kind of close up, what last encouragement would you give to our city group leaders as they turn this podcast off and they turn back toward their city group this week? Yeah, I just was doing some study in the book of First Samuel, and um, in First Samuel twenty-two, 
David is hiding in a cave because Saul is trying to kill him. And it says that all those who were in distress or in debt or discontented gathered around him and he became their commander. And what's interesting is that at the end of 2 Samuel in chapter 23, there's this whole section about David's mighty warriors, his mighty men. And it just talks about these crazy things that these really brave, fearless, loyal, victorious people did during uh, David's time as king. Like crazy stuff. Like it's the whole, like he went into the pit on a snowy day and like killed a lion, like just goes into a pit with a lion. Like that's nuts stuff. Or the guy who, you know, was with the Egyptian and um, only had a club and got the Egyptian spear away from him and killed the Egyptian with his own spear. Like it just talks about these like fearless guys that were uh, like had had victory. And so I just, I was thinking about that as far as leadership, right? So you might be looking around and, and going, man, there's just all these like kind of weak, needy, disgruntled people around me. And but that's, those are the people that God uses um, under leadership, surrendered to the Lord um, for victory over the enemy. And so I just would encourage you um, that no matter who's in your group or how unlikely you think that this collection of people would be, uh, to, be to advance God's kingdom, he can do it. And... Um, I would just say, don't lose heart, don't give up, keep going, and um, just trust that he is like really raising up these particular people for the mission of God in your community. What a great word. What a great picture, too. Of We all kind of started there at one point, but by the grace of God, we are where we are. So thank you for a wonderful encouragement, and thank you for all of your insights shared on the podcast. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Well, that does it for another episode of the City Group Leader Podcast. Thank you, as always, for joining us for this episode. If this content was helpful to you, would you please show your support by subscribing, rating, reviewing, and sharing with other leaders so we can continue to get the word out to help more City Groups thrive and multiply. As you go, remember, your leadership is vital to the vision and mission of City Light Church. You are much appreciated and we are here to support and strengthen you in your leadership in any way that we can. God has chosen you to lead your group and because Christ is in you, you have everything you need to lead it well. We'll see you next time on the City Group Leader Podcast.